I want you to go with me over to uh, Genesis 14. And I want you to, to see Abraham's interaction with Melchizedek and talk to you tonight about the absolute number one factor in terms of your supernatural increase. And everybody say, I'm a believer. And how many know just because somebody is a believer in Jesus doesn't necessarily mean they're on the same page with everything that God prescribes? Um, but the more we fall down on and you know, agree with and get in unity with the Word of God, the more good things will happen in our lives. So we're talking about this factor. We'll just kind of give you a, a broad introduction to it tonight. And I want you to, to see this and write this on a piece of paper. Write this in the margin of your Bible. Genesis 14 occurs long, long, long before the law is ever given. What's happening here in Genesis 14 has nothing to do with the law. It has to do with the spirit of faith. It has to do with the heart of the individual, the honor of the individual. And it has to do with revelation. I want you to see this tonight and say it with me. The tithe is a revelation. Now, people who aren't open to Revelation, they'll tune out as soon as they hear a message like this. And you'll find out tonight that if you just wrap up a message on tithing, you just kind of just throw it off in, in, uh, in the outer space there with the, the word money or connect it just with money, you're missing the whole point. This is something that predates the law by around 430 years. Say this to me, 430 years before the law, Abraham tithed. That's a long time, isn't it? Now we'll see the other side of this, the bookend of this in the New Testament, but we want to start with uh, the law of first mention. And if you've not been under the word, maybe you don't know what this is, but the law of first mention is if you want to understand a concept, a biblical concept of any kind, go back to its first mention. Go back when the first revelation of that is given. We know that the blessing is the heart of God because it goes back to all the way to Genesis chapter 1. Can I have a good amen? If you understand how man fell, go back to Genesis. The first mention of sin is right there in Genesis 3, followed up by the sin of Cain in Genesis 4. And if you want to understand something like the tithe, don't get stuck in the law. Don't stop in the Pentateuch, the writings of Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Go back to the law first mention, which is basically taking us over to uh, Genesis 14. So say it one more time. Hundreds of years before the law, Abraham tithed. Now where would that possibly come from? The same way that he received the revelation of this master of the universe and this God of all creation. The same way that he understood that if God was going to ask him of his son one day, he would go up on that mountain and he would offer up that son, believing that God would do one or two things according to the New Testament. Either God would provide a substitute for the sacrifice of his son, or he would literally raise Isaac back from the dead. Now, how many understand? That didn't come from a book. It didn't come from a theology book. It didn't come from Sunday school. It didn't come from the law. His revelation of the goodness of God, the power of God, came by revelation. And that's why I'm saying tonight, if all you do is discount this as a Sunday school lesson, as a church lesson, as a ploy by a pastor to tell people to give, as long as you dismiss it and you don't see that this is a revelation that can change your life, that's all it will remain is just a little religious ditty to you. But in fact, to really get a hold of this thing and to see it as the foundation for your supernatural increase, you've got to have a revelation on this. And once revelation comes, there's no more arguing about it. There's no fighting about it. There's no fussing about it. And you know, it's sad sometimes because sometimes in a household, 
you know, the husband or wife will get it, but the other one won't have it. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. And they're not you know, sure how to handle this thing. It's a difficult thing to do uh, when you have a wife that wants to do what God wants them to do and the husband won't do it or vice versa. But boy, when both of them have the revelation, there is no stopping you. And that's what I want to sow into your heart tonight. There is a supernatural power or anointing on the tithe. It's a supernatural unction or power or anointing on the tithe that when you do it, it releases supernatural power for increase in your life. And God is no respecter of persons. That's why I say that the pastors that won't talk about this because of fear or shame or somehow potential rejection, they're not helping the people of God. The people of God are being robbed because they're not taught about this powerful revelation and the anointing that goes with it. You know, there comes a time when, when you get into agreement as a couple, it's a, it's a whole new level that you live in. And so when the wife comes home or the husband comes home and says, hey, I feel like we should do this, we should sow this, there's a need in the community, there's a need in the church, and you just do it, it's amazing to have that sweet spirit and agreement there. You know, we're at the place now in our marriage where I just know that Kelly hears from, from the Lord on these matters, and she knows that I hear uh, from the Lord on these matters. And so it's not a shock when either one of us will actually feel impressed to give or to sow. Now that's another message that has to do with sowing on top of the tithe, but the principle is the same. It's wonderful to get into agreement on God's Word. How could you possibly go wrong as a couple getting into agreement on God's Word? But it requires that both of you have that revelation. Say it with me. I have it. I'm growing in it. I'm not fighting it. Um, I've been mindful because of social media in just the past several days. I've had uh, several people that are, that are dear to me, that I respect, that I appreciate, uh, you know, die. And one is a childhood friend's dad. He was uh, the assistant dean of agriculture at SIU. And then he went to Clemson and retired uh, at Clemson as chair of the, of the dairy area department down there. And, and we were just uh, very good friends, very close friends. But I tell you that you can present the gospel to people while they're alive, but that doesn't mean they're going to accept it. And I've not been around the family to know exactly where they stand. I just don't know. I mean, it's literally been since about 1982 since I've seen any of them, other than interacting with one of the uh, sisters of this friend of mine on social media a little bit. Um, and then right here in our own town, one of my poli-sci professors uh, died this week. And uh, he was a liberal, not a conservative, but he wasn't a mean liberal. He was a funny liberal. <laughs> I have my convictions, you have yours, but you're not a dirty dog, you know, and it's coming to the earth because you don't agree with me. And uh, I like to say categorically, fundamentally, I, I know what his confession of faith is, but I can't say that. And I can't say that he doesn't have a confession of faith. But one thing I can tell you is... That after we got here, I was taking Joe Marler out on campus and just doing a little soul winning training with him. And I, we went into his office, and this particular professor agreed to take the survey that Mark always used. And we went right through the survey. And in that survey, you absolutely give them a simple presentation of the gospel. I do know that he has heard the gospel and heard it often. My faith is that at some point in time, you know, he responded to it. What's my point? My point is, we can present the gospel every week, and we do, but that doesn't mean somebody's going to lay hold of it. Now, how many understand, if you lay hold of that gospel, it'll change and just transform your life. It's good news, not bad news. Amen. But there's no forcing somebody to accept it. 
There's no forcing somebody to believe it. Now, the sad thing is, on the other side, everybody's a believer. Let me say it again. Everyone's a believer on the other side. There are no unbelievers on the other side of that threshold. But the point is, if you will accept what the Bible says about any subject and receive the revelation of that and act on that, it's going to produce good in your life. And the thing I want to kind of rail against is the lie of the devil that tells people that if you line up with this thing called a tithe, it's going to ruin your life. It's going to hold you back. It's going to rob you of this. It's going to take this out of your pocket. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. There's a supernatural anointing on the tithe. And it's not just limited to income. It goes across a lot of barriers and a lot of different dimensions of your life. The tithe will affect every area of your life. But I could get up here and I can do this 15 weeks in a row, but if you don't take it, just like listening to a presentation of the gospel and rejecting Jesus, and as a pastor, I just see this happen all the time to people in every single service. You know, on Wednesday nights, it's going to be tilted more towards believers, going to have an amen. amen. If you're a believer, say amen. amen. But, you know, you never know what's going to wander in here, particularly on a Sunday morning, which is really more unchurched than the other day of the week in terms of services go. And there are people all the time that aren't right with God. And need the Lord to come walk out of here still rejecting no matter what went forth that day, no matter what God was trying to communicate. Nobody can force you to do this. But I'll tell you this, once you make up a decision that you're going to line up with God's Word no matter what anybody thinks, no matter what anybody does, I'm going to walk this out. Particularly if, you, if you're a married couple and get into agreement, both to get revelation on this, and you live this way, uh, you'll never regret it. Because you will see Him do things that are completely and totally unexplainable. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Chris? <laughs> it's, it's supernatural increase real? Yep. Yes, it's real. It works. So, I want you to, to say this one more time. Abraham, Abraham. tithed 430 years before the law by revelation. Those that came after him had some help. The law helped point them in the right direction if they got off track. And the Holy Ghost, of course, keeps us on track. But he received this by revelation, just like Peter received revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's a wonderful thing to be able to hear from God and to understand his word. So look at this in chapter 14 as we talk about this amazing supernatural power on the tithe that will make you unstoppable. Turn to somebody and say, you're plain unstoppable. You say, well, I've been tithing and I'm not that thrilled about where I'm right now. You should consider where you would be if you hadn't been tithing. You should consider what you have taken off the table in terms of God's future and your future to turn that thing around. Does that make sense? So don't ever let the devil tell you what, what good is it. What's the point? The wicked prosper and the godly people serve God and they pray and they go to church and they tithe. What's the point? i tell you what the point is. You will see the distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous, those that serve God and those that don't. What you want to do is if you have to make an adjustment on this, then make the adjustment. Hallelujah. That's a good thing about being a child of God. You can repent and go on. Amen. Or be even more emboldened in this area than you've ever been before. Because that anointing is released when we practice what it actually says, and it affects every single area of your life, not just the money area. 
Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, also known in the future as Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. These are covenant symbols. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying... Now what I love about this is there's no way for him to say that I'm buying the blessing because which was offered first, the blessing or the tithe? The blessing was. Who loved me before I loved him? The Lord loved me. He died before I knew him. Does that make sense? His plan was to save us before we had ever, ever thought. He's the one that initiates the goodness of God. Well, watch this. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, El Elyon, Creator of Heaven and Earth, and blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of what? Of everything. That's the basis. Some say, what's a tithe? When I was little I thought a tithe was a tie. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> Bring your tie to church day. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, but it's not a tie, it's a what? It's a tithe and it just simply means a tenth. So a tithe of a hundred dollar bill is what? A tithe of a thousand dollars is what? A tithe of a hundred thousand dollars is what? A tithe of a million is? Now y'all are getting excited, amen. But here's the thing, if you want to tithe off a hundred dollar bill, forget about tithing on a million dollars. Or a billion dollars, whatever the case may be. See it's it's irrelevant. If you don't have the revelation, it doesn't really matter. Once you get it, the amounts don't matter. It's just a matter of doing the things that you know to do. So he ties 430 years, and is he blessed? Yes. And you and I, I'd say the same thing. Um, I don't give to God because I'm trying to buy anything. I'm already blessed. He blessed me with Jesus. He blessed me with the Holy Ghost. He blessed me with the new life. He blessed me with righteousness. He blessed me with a purpose, you know, and a call and a destiny. You see this? How could I not do what Abraham did and didn't turn right around and honor God this way? And that's what a lot of this has to do with is honor. I love what Keith Moore has, of course, threshold of his building in Branson. It says, those who honor me, I will, what? Honor. Those that honor me, I will honor. I will give them weight. I will do amazing things in their life. Let's talk about this. Um, say it with me, I'm already blessed. The blessing's on your life. See, I don't tithe, so he'll bless me. If I tithe, that's a given. There's going to be a harvest off of what I do. You know, it's the same thing with our salvation. I don't work so He will save me. I do works because I'm saved. That's the fruit of a saved person. And the fruit of a blessed person, watch this, the fruit of a blessed person is a tithe. Not to get Him to bless me, but because I am blessed. And not because He's trying to take from me, He's trying to do even more in my life. So watch this. Jacob instituted the tithe for all of his descendants about 300 years before the uh, law. Uh, there's a lot of debate about the timeline of that, but you get the point that Jacob didn't get this from a book either. Where did he get it from? He got it from his father, who got it by revelation. How many know this is a wonderful thing to pass down to your kids? Let them see you tithe. Let them see you write out that check. Let them see you pray over that tithe. Let them see you come into agreement over needs over that tithe. Let them see the blessings. Let them see the tithers' rights manifest in your life. One of the things that John Osteen did for his kids, he had a little metal box and he just stuffed it with money. And whenever his kids needed something, you know what he said? Go out and take what you need. I want you to leave this household to understand how good God is. And I'm going to do my best to reflect the goodness of God in your lives. And you know what their testimony is? Every one of them. 
from, from Joel and from Justin and from Lisa. And there's one more in there. In April. I forgot about April. Do you know what their testimony is? The, my daddy so reflected the goodness of God. When we got old enough, we didn't want to go to the world. The world had nothing to attract us to. Nothing. Because the goodness of God overwhelmed our lives. I tell you, it pays to sit under the Word of God. I said it pays to sit under the Word of God. So I'm not, I'm not tithing so God will bless me. What I am doing, though, just like Abraham and just like Isaac and just like Jacob, uh, you know, I am recognizing His goodness in my life, His grace and mercy and provision. And just like, even though technically, you know, Jacob has a granddaddy, he's the father of faith. So he's actually the father of a Jacob, and he's the father of you tonight. All of us have a heavenly father. Are you glad for that? And we have a spiritual father. And when you track it back into the history, into the word of God, you find out that if this guy did this before the law, there's something to this. Poke somebody and tell them there's something to it. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is also what? Your God. And if somehow they were blessed even more as they walked out this revelation, God is the same yesterday, today, and what? And forever. Well, we're looking at this thing, we're blessed, we're saved, we've been made righteous, God has done great things in our lives, and then we come to Him and we tithe, we give Him that tithe, that 10%, because of the goodness, because of the blessing, because of what He has done, and what He is yet to do in our lives. In other words, it's a recognition that He's active in your life. You know He's active in your life. He's not asleep. He's not ignoring you. He is active in your life. And if you think he's not, the devil's just lying to you. Just keep waiting on God and see what he'll do. Hallelujah. You need to emulate him in devotion and faith and obedience and honor, meaning the tithe, and you can expect to participate in and enjoy the blessing and the benefits of the tither. Write this down, tither's rights. Who gets the tither's rights? The tither. Not the one that heard the teaching on the tithe. Not the one that heard a sermon about the tithe. Not the one that heard a series about the tithe. Who actually gets the tither's rights? Well, the, the phrase tither's rights should give it away. Tither's rights. Not non-tither's rights. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you and care about you. But there's a whole other level of existence for people who will line up with what God has to say. And just like Paul said, he'll always give seed to the sower. You have to understand that you cannot outgive God, and you're not giving anything away. You're actually investing in his kingdom. And how many know his kingdom has better returns than anything you could possibly invest in in the natural? Proverbs 3 9 is a wonderful scripture for you to, to get deep into your spirit because it actually brings out the concept of honor. Listen to what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That's pretty plain, isn't it? With the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will brim over with new wine. Now watch this. Most of you don't deal in fruit or crops or barns or wine. I'm particularly thankful for the last part of that. So how does that relate to somebody in, in our culture where we're not agrarian based, we're really not even industrial based anymore, it's information based and it's 
technologically based now, so how does that relate to you and to me? Honor the Lord with your money. With what? With that check, with that increase, honor him with it, and what's going to happen? Barns are storage places. What's a storage place for money? Bank accounts, savings accounts, checking accounts, investment accounts. What does he promise to do? To fill them and cause them to what? Actually overflow. And that's what you can tap into if you actually will walk with God. Now, obviously we have farmers in the church. We have people that, uh, that are involved in that industry and praise the Lord for them. But most of us are not going to be involved in commercial farming. But you can see here, you do handle the same thing. You do handle coinage. You do handle transactions. You do handle money. Say it with me. Honor the Lord with your money. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You see, it's about honoring Him. Who do you respect the most? Who do you love the most? Who do you obey at the end of the day? Who, who do you come down on the side with? Is it going to be the Lord or the enemy or this world or religion or some carnal Christian? Matthew 23, I want you to turn there and I want you to put your eyes on this. Because this is where you begin to see the start of the bookend that completely agrees with the revelation of Genesis chapter 14. Say it with me, I'm a tither, I'm a giver. I just don't say that, I do it. Praise God. When Miss Joyce sends out statements, you shouldn't have a holy grunt, you should be able to have a dance. Look what the Lord did. Because if your tithe is that high, guess what that means? He must have given, given you income, amen? He must have, have blessed you, sure. It's fun to see. Making a difference, whether it's you know, a million-dollar track or you know, right now you're having a tough time just barely scraping by. The, the point is, you can see if you honored God. It's a wonderful thing to know. It's a, it's a confidence-building thing. It's a courage-building thing. It's you have walked with God, you've honored Him, and He's going to honor His Word in your life. Matthew 23, 23. This could not be plainer. When somebody tells you the tithe is under the law, first of all, tell them Revelation came to Abraham 430 years before the law, and he tithed to the high priest. You and I also tithe to the high priest. What's his name? Yes. But then Jesus himself literally underscores the principle of the revelation of the tithe. Let me ask you again. Who, who is it speak, who's speaking in Matthew 23? What's his name? And Jesus is what? Lord. And what does the Lord do? Runs your life. He, he's the dictator of your life. Amen. Not in the, the horrible evil sense. Like Joe Biden in 43, oh, another, another sermon, amen, executive orders. <laughs> yes, amen. Surely you didn't think I was going to not take advantage of that, amen. No, he's for you. And that's what he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. But watch what they were doing. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you also neglected the more important matters of the law. Now that the law has endorsed tithing, say that I mean the law doesn't prescribe tithing, it endorsed tithing. 
You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What does Micah 6.8 say, if you were here a few weeks ago during the sermon? He has shown the old man without should do, what is it? Love what? Can you see the parallel there? God is completely consistent. Uh, we have to be people that, that operate in justice and mercy. We, we operate in humility towards our God and towards His Word, which means we submit to it. And look what he says here. You're tithing, but you've got a problem with justice and mercy and faithfulness. Can you see this? So they were technically doing that, but they were missing some very critical components of the heart of God. Now, what did Jesus say? You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should practice the latter. What is the latter? Tithing. Now, where did that come from? Oh, oh tithing stuff's under the old covenant. Um, excuse me, it came out of the mouth of Jesus. He said, you should have practiced the latter. You should be tithing, but don't neglect what? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's not either or Pharisees. You need to get your hearts right. There are Christians in America that have their heart right towards God and others, but they're not quite complying with the other statements. Say, I ought to tithe, and I ought to walk in love. It's not one or the other. So you see, 430 years before the law, Abraham by revelation becomes a tither. Jesus tells us in this transition period that those who are going to walk with God should still be tithing, but they should also what? When there's a woman taken in a sin, do you see this? Who's the one that actually had the authority and the right to judge her? Jesus. But he didn't do it. They were just so gung-ho to trap him and to put her down. That's what he's talking about. You're spiritual leaders. That's great, you're tithing, but you're missing out on how you're interacting with and treating people in my name. And it was in his name. So turn to somebody and say, you ought to tithe, but you also walk in love. Now here's the power, twins. A tither that walks in love, unstoppable. Faith works by what? Faith is energized by love. And I know that there are you know, people in this, this room that have been involved with this a very long time. This isn't new to you. I think the Holy Ghost is just trying to encourage you that you're on the right track. Now don't step off of it. Don't let anybody talk you out of this, especially right now, because you're going to see that God's power is operating in you and through you. No matter what's going on, He's well able to increase you. That's the word of God. Say it with me. I'm a tither. And I also walk in love. What is he saying? He's saying the tithe should be just as much a part of your life as love and mercy. I was telling Joe, I turned the channel on the other day, and I love the old gun smoke episodes. It reminds me of when I was just a little tyke. And this was actually before my day. This was 1959, this episode. And... Uh, Matt Dillon and Chester ride up to this guy, and he's tied to a tree. And this big old man, he's probably in his 60s, is just lashing him, you know, with a belt, just tearing up his shirt. And 
Of course, Dylan says, what in the world are you doing to this man? Well, he's a sinner. He was about to go into Dodge and partake of all these evil, wicked things. And I, I saved him from the air of his way. He hadn't even sinned yet. This guy already judged him. I've met Christians like that, amen. They judge you before you sin. <laughs> and, of course, his two sons were, were complicit. And so Matt says to Chester, Chester, get down there and cut him loose. And that old man says, don't you touch him. And Matt says, cut him down, get him down from there. And man says, don't you touch him. And finally he says to Chester after he's, you know, taking the man's bonds off him, he says to him, well, you know what, your hand has done this, so you're as guilty as he is. Well, then they apprehend Chester. And they decide they're not going to whip Chester. He's going to cut off his right hand because he was the hand that released the man that was tied to the tree. Well, one of the sons started to grow conscious when his daddy announced he was going to cut off Chester's hand in the morning. Amen? Can't you see where Pastor's getting his revelation from? Amen? Gunsmoke, 1959. Well, I'll tell you one thing, at least there's no cussing. Amen? No wickedness going on in terms of today's world. But at any rate, he, uh, Matt Dillon rides in with the other son. And before Matt can actually shoot, he's trying to lower the, the, you know, the axe down on Chester's hand. The other brother shoots his dad dead. Now I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, I say, okay, now what's Matt going to say? What's Matt going to say? What's he going to say about this? And he's looking at the son, the other son, and he quotes Micah 6 8. <laughs> I thought, you go, Matt Dillon, you go. And what's the scripture say? This is the duty. What is it? What is it? Love what? Mercy. There are a lot of people wanting to cut people's hands off. And they technically may tithe. No, you need to be walking in mercy and be a tither. Say it with me. I walk in love and I tithe. I should be just as committed to the tithe as I am to what? Love and mercy. Glory to God. Say it with me. I'm a tither. And I'm a giver. I'm blessed. Go over to 2 Corinthians. Are you expecting revelation to grow in your life? Yes. 2 Corinthians 9. Note this, that both chapter 8 and 9, Paul's dealing with money. So he certainly wasn't afraid to talk about it. But in chapter 9, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's the law of seed time and harvest. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Um, there's a reason why we don't mail you a box of envelopes. Are you here today? And churches do that. That's perfectly fine between them and the Lord. But you can't compel people they have to line up on the Word of God with what? And besides that, you know, send a box of envelopes is kind of after the point with all the electronic giving that's going on. Almost a waste of money when you think about it. But he's decided in his heart to give. Some people take this meaning, well, I can give whatever I want to. No, the totality of the Word of God should guide your giving. And when you come up with this, you realize that he's talking about the time now as not the maximum, but actually the starting point. And God is able to make all grace. He's a cheerful giver. 
God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So we sow and God gets praise for it. Isn't that wonderful? And if you line up your heart with your behavior of tithing, it's both, it's the heart and of course and the behavior, what happens is he continues to increase your supply and your store of seed, and he actually empowers you. What's happened to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still available in the land. Let me say it again, what happened to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is available to his people today. Let me try that one more time. What happened to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob still available to God's people today? What happened to them? They supernaturally increased, but their behavior and their heart were in sync. If you want to walk in more and more of the blessing, you need to be as generous as you can. Generosity begins with a tithe, and it grows as we have faith and as God supplies. His tithe, our offering, and it's all a question and a matter of honor. And it's right here. And people have a problem. Well, when Paul said he'll make you rich in, all, in every way, he wasn't talking about money. Here's the problem some Christians have. They have such a shield up over this topic that they're willing to completely destroy the context of the Word of God to defend their own position. Both chapters are about money. It's not money up to that verse, and then that verse is not about money, and then the chapter, the verses after that's about money. You don't do your interpretation that way. Both chapters are about money. So when he said, I'll make you rich in every way, what was he talking about? All kinds of inheritance, all kinds of blessings. So that you can be what? Generous. So if the next Sunday somebody comes you know, through town, the preacher, after Paul left that church, and there's a need, what are they able to do? They're able to be generous because they've been made rich to do so. It's just insane for us to, you know, pretend that the Scripture doesn't teach what it teaches. I'm sorry, but there is a hell to shine and a heaven to gain. And it is eternal. Just because we don't like something doesn't mean it's not there. And a lot of good people going to heaven don't like those verses and want to pretend that Paul's not talking about something so vain and crass and carnal as riches. Listen, a, a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word of faith, on fire child of God, with resources, you are a threat to the devil and his ways. Amen. And that's the whole point. It's not about building your kingdom, getting all you can, sitting on the can. That's not what it's about. It's about being this conduit. But if we continue to apologize for what God has promised and ignore the plain teachings of Scripture, it's going to hold us back as the body of Christ in these last days. Uh, this revelation alone could cause God's assets and resources throughout the church to explode. What happens when God increases you? Does that hurt or help the kingdom of God? If he increases you, then your giving increases, and then you get increased some more, and then your giving increases, and everybody's doing this. You can see how God is providing seed to the sower and bread in his house, according to Malachi 3. It's a wonderful, wonderful, you know, kind of cycle to get on instead of one where you're totally dependent on yourself and your own thinking. Write this down. Rich is not a four-letter word. 
And some of you are going, guess it is. You're missing the point. <laughs> it's not one of them four-letter words. God doesn't have a problem with his people being blessed. He has a problem with his people dependent on serving and bowing to anything, whether it's money or something else. Amen. This is where every child of God should say, I don't care where they go to church, I don't care what their background is, this is the word of God. This is where every preacher could say, you know what, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. There are people that are ashamed of parts of the gospel. There are some people that are ashamed of the Holy Ghost. They're ashamed of the gifts. They're ashamed of the teaching on finance. They're ashamed to talk about you know, demons and demonic you know, possession. They're afraid to talk about deliverance because they're ashamed of these things. Can I tell you something? What you're ashamed of, you can never have. Say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. The soundness, not just salvation going to heaven, but soundness in every area of your life. You can't be ashamed of it. And one of these days, someone's going to rise up in a church just like ours with no shame. Don't care what people think about them. They're going to sow, they're going to give, God's going to bless, they're going to sow, they're going to give, God's going to bless, and they're going to go to high, great heights in these things. And someone will say, well, how come God would do that for them? And I'll tell you why. Because, number one, they weren't ashamed of what God has said. I tell you, the, the, the domino effect, I'm actually working on a message that it may turn into a series just on the concept of the domino, certainly the domino effect. We do impact each other. We do affect each other. There's a young man in college, and he just called me um, yesterday, the day before, just to tell me this story. But there's a young man in this, uh, in this church, came to college, and came from a background where the things of the Spirit were not valued at practice. Well, coming to this church... Uh, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and his involvement with campus ministry as well. And he also learned about the gifts of the Spirit. And he operates very fluidly, very powerfully in these gifts. So, uh, I don't know, it's been, I want to say maybe 12, 15 years ago, um, he was in a church meeting. And there was a young man there who was saved about a month or so. And Justin was supposed to speak. This is Justin Farrell. And he was supposed to speak, and the Lord said, I want you to go out in the car, and I want you to get a book that you have, and I want you to bring the book out, and I want you to call him out in front of everybody and tell him there's a call to evangelize this part of the country. He's from southern Illinois, and he's still there evangelizing southern Illinois. And he said, I want you to evangelize and, and preach the gospel, and I want you to read this book first. And so that's exactly what he did. He went out there, and he got that book, and he gave it to him. Now watch this. Everybody said the domino effect. He comes to this church, he gets born again, spirit-filled. Now he's operating in a pulpit by the Spirit of God to touch this little young man's heart. Um, this young man gets born again, gets turned on for God, and the name of the book was called God's Greatest Passion. As somebody else out of this church wrote about the value and the importance of evangelism. <laughs> This young man who uh, is preaching was at the loft in Heron, Illinois, a few weeks ago, and telling Josh, the pastor, uh, a story about this guy that showed up 
when he was there to preach and pulled, pulled me out of the crowd and said this to me and gave me this book. He has no idea. I don't even remember his name. And Josh was able to say, well, that's Justin Farrell. Look at somebody say the domino effect. Can you see what I'm talking about here? And this guy is running around preaching the gospel, doing great things for God. It matters what you invest in. Amen. It matters what you're doing. Hallelujah. And a big part of that is sowing yourself, and it's being a sower and a giver and a tither. You can't comprehend the distance your tithe travels when you invest. Let me ask you something, uh, uh, Janice and, and Charlie. Is, is God doing something in Harlan, Illinois? Does God care about Southern Illinois? Oh, yes. yes. What you don't know is when they were trying to get a facility that was you know, big enough to actually have decent service, this church was the first church that gave them something. You sold $1,000 into that church. We don't even go there. You don't go there. Some of our people go up there from time to time. You see what I'm saying to you? How can you do that? You can do that because other people are investing and there's meat in the house. I tell you what, the kingdom of God, people talk about, you know, the world's getting smaller. The kingdom of God is very well connected. And the dominoes just fall. You can see how God works and operates through people who take this seriously. So be careful uh, letting people talk you out of the good things God has for you. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm part of the domino effect. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every missionary that ever called you personally, you could support him personally? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could, you know, support every church plant in the country and around the world to be generous on every occasion? You can't without this revelation. Because if God can't trust you with a $100 bill, he can't trust you with $100 million. Amen? What we're talking about is at what point do Christians choke on this message? That's where the ceiling is. That's where the limitation is. And just being mindful, no matter what he does to increase you, your first thought is, oh, I need to honor God. And you write that check, and then to get online, I need to do something about that. Because you're not going to decrease from that. You're going to increase. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, it works. There is a supernatural power on the tithe that makes you unstoppable, and it's released when you practice it. It affects every area of your life. Say it with me, tither's rights. Say tither's rights. The other scripture that bookends this teaching, the revelation of the tithe, is over in Hebrews. I want to read just a portion of this to you. Say it, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say it, there's a domino effect to the tithe. In uh, verse 1, this Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness that also king of Salem means king of peace. Who does that sound like? Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning or days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Do you see this the principle? You tithe to the greater. 
Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect the tenth from the people, that is their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi who collects the tenth paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek made Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. You can see this has nothing to do with the law. This has to do with the principle of actually when you tithe, Abraham had a typology of Christ and Melchizedek. You and I literally are tithing to the living God, the son of the living God. Is the local church an agency of God? Yes, that's true. That's a depository. That is a place, a tangible place where, where meat can be in his house. But guess who you're actually tithing to? Jesus blessed you, and because he blessed you, you what? You tithe. Now, if he hadn't blessed you, then by all means, don't tithe. If he's not been good to you, don't tithe. If he's never answered a prayer, don't tithe. If he's not changed your life, by all means, don't tithe. But if he has blessed you, what should you do? You should tithe. And it starts a cycle that never ends. Glory to God. Let me share this with you. This scripture reveals that the tithe transcends the old covenant because Abraham tithed 430 years before the law and Jacob promised the tithe, binding Israel to this principle no matter where they would go. And guess what they'd have done? Wherever you find a Jew throughout the world who practices this, what will you find? What will you find? You will find they track wealth wherever they go. I don't care if they're in the former Soviet Union. I don't care if they're in the Middle East. I don't care if they're in New York. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he has what? No sorrow to it. But these people to this day practice what Abraham received by revelation. While the Western church has taught poverty doctrine. Do you see this? And the tokenism in their giving rather than the principles of God. You know, when the Jews were rounded up during World War II, do you know what they all had in common? They looted the Jewish people as they were coming off those train cars. Some to work camps, some to meet to the gas chambers. Amen. Their coats and their silver and their gold and their heirlooms, they looted it. And to this day, many of the priceless paintings have not even been recovered. Much of the loot has not ever been recovered. They think it's, it's buried in caves and wherever else the Nazis actually put it. How do you know the Lord is well able to show where that is and give it back to the Jewish people from where it came? But you see, that's, that's that legacy. There's just this, this general presumption of wealth when you think about the Jewish people. You don't think about somebody down their luck in New York City. Not, no, this is not to say that there are people of Jewish descent that don't struggle and have a hard time. I'm just telling you, as a principle, they do well wherever they go, whatever their ambition, whatever their goal in life, because they keep doing what Abraham did. Now, if it'll work for a Jew to this day, how I mean, it'll work for the child of God who's born again, who has a greater covenant than that. Praise God. They still tie to this day because of the promise that Jacob made. What would happen to our families if down our downlines, five, six, seven generations were still doing what we promised? It transformed our lineage. 
Absolutely. And how many have relatives, mom or dad, somebody taught you these principles when you were younger? Do you know that there is an exponential power on that? Each succeeding generation will be more blessed than the previous one. Once you get a hold of this revelation, I can't wait to see what God does with Juliana. I made it my mission in life to make sure she's one blessed little girl. And Kelly's already way ahead of me on this. <laughs> yes. It also shows that the recipient of the tithe is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who would not want to come and put that tithe at the feet of the one that died for him? That's why revelation is needed here. If all it is is, here comes the bucket, everybody run. But if it's, this is my chance to actually engage with the one that gave his life for me, and tied to the one that blessed me, it changes everything. No wonder somebody would be cheerful. Amen. No wonder somebody would be what? Amen. Cheerful in their giving. Not at all put out. Hallelujah. I've got uh, seven things that not tithing indicates in a, in a Christian's life. And you're going to get to hear that Sunday morning. Now, how many of you will pray for that crowd Sunday morning? Raise your hand if you'll be praying for that crowd Sunday morning not to choke. This is here to help them. We're in the Supernatural Increase series. And while pastors will be tempted to just bypass this one and go on to the next point, we spent three or four weeks on diligence. Pastor, let's go back to that one. Okay, diligence and tithing. <laughs> you can't help people. It is, it, is, it is selfish and it's a dereliction of pastoral duty not to teach these principles to people. And we will answer to God for refusing to do this, whether it is fear or some other motivator. People need this, especially right now. In all this craziness, they need to know how to hook up and stay hooked up to the supernatural in times like this. And I'm preaching to the choir, to people that have done this. You've watched God come through in your life time and time and time and time again. And he's not done yet, is he? Come on, let's give him a big thunderous hand clap. He's been so good to us.